We're preparing now to hear the Word of God, and we thought the theme for today's service would be love, because there's nothing greater that we could identify as being God's nature. The Bible tells us God is love. Now, every one of us here are developing in the love of God. That's our uh, duty, is to know God. If we know God, inevitably we will love God. Church, we've been called to the love of God. And so each and every one of us, our quest in life should be to learn more about the love of God. And we've asked our two speakers, Terry Karanja and Charles Aura, to speak to us on the love of God. I'm excited about both of them. They both stand out to me as leaders in development. And I want to say about Terry and about Charles is the wonderful spirit that they walk in. <clears throat> Both of them are faithful. Both of them are generous in serving God. They serve God with their whole heart. When they're supposed to be here, they are here. And I appreciate their attitude of willingness. You know, sometimes you may encounter in people an attitude of reluctant obedience. Reluctant obedience is obedience that is not wholehearted and devoted to the Lord. There is some hesitation in obedience or lack of faithfulness. But I can say this about Terry and Charles. I have seen in them for years wholehearted obedience. And so, uh, as <clears throat> I suggested these two as the speakers, I was open to hear if there would be any objection from my leadership team, I can say there was not one objection raised. All of us have seen the faithfulness of our two speakers today. So, as we bring up our first speaker, Terry is going to minister for 15 minutes on We've taken two aspects of love. Love produces unity, and love produces honor. And so Terry is going to speak to us for 15 minutes on the unity that love produces. Where Terry Karanja, would you welcome Terry, please? Good morning, Victory Faith family. 
I totally understand why Tiffany said you can do better than that. Good morning, Victory Faith family. My testimony this morning is that I am super excited to be here. Pastor Kala has said 15 minutes, so I am hoping if I talk at super speed, you also believe God to hear at super speed and then process that information at the same speed. When God created the world, <clears throat> his plan, his will, his intention was that everything he created functions in perfect harmony in perfect harmony, and it did, okay? And that is still his plan and his intention and his will for us. It means that eight million people living on planet Earth can function in perfect harmony. It just doesn't mean to coexist and tolerate one another, it goes beyond that. There's this mentality nowadays concerning toleration. You know, we tolerate your opinion. We, you know, we, we tolerate it for the sake of it. There's this coexistence mentality. But God wills for us to live in perfect unity. It's that we can enjoy fruitful relationships and thrive in these relationships. And when you think about it, church, there are so many differences. There are so many different individuality. You come from different backgrounds. You come from different cultures. You hold different beliefs and opinions. You know, we are all created differently. And that is God's expression in itself. He created us differently. And he says... We are called to one body, but different parts. That's his expression. But the amazing thing is that regardless of your opinion, of your beliefs, of where you come from, is that you can connect to your neighbor and enjoy that relationship. When you think about it, it's... When you think with reason, it's something impossible. When you think that I can actually relate to a person of different religion and agree and walk in agreement to this person, it seems, I don't know, for me, it seems, you know, off. It means, it seems like something that is, you know, not achievable. Eight billion people in the planet, I mean, and when I was preparing for this, I saw something in the Bible. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 3 in the AMPC, it says this, Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep harmony and oneness produced by the Holy Spirit. This is the unity we strive for as members of the body of Christ. That unity that is produced by the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it by our own effort. We can't do it by our own might and power. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. And that means if it is produced by the Holy Spirit, it bears the, fruit of, the fruits of the Spirit. It bears Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and then self-control, which is a big one for me. So, <laughs> unity of the spirit. We're going to look at what unity means. And now, unity in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for unity is ikad. Ikad. 
you will look up the pronunciation of that. It means oneness in reference to the nature and character of God and man's relationship with God. Let's look at that again. Oneness in reference to the nature and character of God and man's relationship with God. Unity, first of all, is not unanimous agreement. Yeah? It's not unanimous agreement. This is what it is. It's relationship to God, his nature and his character. So what's, what's God's nature and character? Is that he is love. Love is an embodiment of who he is. It's not a quality that he possesses. It's not an attribute. Of course, you know, you say God is loving because it is who he is. The same way you say God is spirit. You know, you can't, you can't say that God is something else. You say God is spirit. And the same way we say that is God is love. And this relationship... At the fall of man, it was deterred. When Adam sinned, he was separated from the life of God. And this relationship was deterred momentarily. But when that happened, immediately what God did is that he brought his son. He set into motion the plan to redeem mankind, to restore mankind to himself, to restore that relationship. And this is what he did. He reconciled all things to himself. Reconcile. This, is, this was amazing for me. When I found it, every time I came across it in Colossians 1.20, I kept going back to it. I kept going back to it and said, I need more, Lord. I need more. I need more meat on this. And it says, to change from one condition to another, so as to remove all enmity and leave no impediment to unity and peace. We have absolutely no excuse. We have absolutely no reason why we should not be connected to the next person, to your neighbor. Have you ever heard of people say that, I have, that I cannot be joined to this brother in Christ because he is of a certain tribe. I have heard people saying that. No impediment. I have heard that people say, you know, I can't deal with this person. She's got so much attitude. She said this about me. She spread rumors that were not entirely true. No impediment. No impediment to unity and peace. Let's read that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 in the AMPC. It says this, church, and God purposed that through, by service, the intervention of him, the son, all things should be completely reconciled back to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, as through him, the Father made peace. The word here is reconciled, which we have looked at. And another thing that divides us, as brings factions and, you know, division among men, is the mental process. It's the mind process of things. You know, the thoughts that we come up with, the beliefs that we hold, our opinions, all these things. And I found another definition of reconcile, which means this. 
which is this. The divine purpose on the ground of the work of Christ accomplished on the cross, bringing the whole universe into full accord with the mind of God. It's that we draw our thoughts, we draw our opinions from God, who is love. We draw from our thoughts and our opinions from his love. And this way we can redefine unity to mean this, that unity is personal interaction, intimate knowledge, and revelation of God's love and that he is love, which then guides our relationship with man. Pastor Kala has been teaching us on knowing God. That's fundamental. She's been teaching us on knowing Christ, knowing the power of his resurrection. And that is fundamental to unity. Knowing that God is love is fundamental to unity. Another thing is that love gives material form to unity. It forms and shapes unity. Like the way you mold something with your hand. Probably mud for children or plasticine. The way you mold plasticine into, into shapes, into tables, people, and all those things is what love does to unity. It shapes and molds and gives material form to unity. It is the, love is the essence of unity, people. Without it, we cannot be in perfect harmony, which is God's will for us. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, in the NLT, it says, and the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us, us, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, because it is love that molds and shapes and forms unity, it carries it possesses all the attributes of love, which are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. When I say love here, think of unity also. Love is patient. Unity is this, people, that you are willing to extend your hand at all times and you're willing to wait for that person to come and hold your hand. It's patient to that end. The word of God says that he is slow to anger, willing and patient that all men may come to repentance and also come to the knowledge of the truth, is that you're patient all the time, stretching your hand toward the other person, regardless of how they treat you regardless of what they say. You're willing, it's your, your hand is always open, patient. Love is, unity is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Next. It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude and manly and does not act unbecomingly. God's love in us does not exist in its own right or its own way. Another translation says it does not seek its own 
way. This is very practical. I have a testimony regarding this, and I asked my sister if I can actually share it with, it with you people. And uh, at the beginning of the year, she, she finished high school. At the beginning of the year, so she came home. I was in uni, so we, we used to, you know, she was in boarding, and when I was in uni, we never used to see each other, really not uh, live in the same household because I was living in where uni was. And um, <clears throat> so when she came in January, things started, you know, um, what's the word, happening. <laughs> no, uh, when we had, we had chores, of course, mama uh, hardly touches anything. So we split that between ourselves and we used to argue all the time. In the morning, I would wake up and say, oh my God, it's another day. What is it going to be today? Are we going to argue over dishes? Are we going to argue over cooking? Throwing out the trash? What, what, is, going, what is it going to be today? And it was not peaceful at all. It was not, it, it got to a moment where I just went to the Lord and broke down and said, God, this is my sister. You know, we have to live in unity or perfect harmony. It's not that I don't love her. I do very much. But you make a way for us. You know, you make a way for us. And that moment, God started dealing with me where love was concerned. And he took me back to this. And I started seeing, you know, the will of God, what love really is. And here... It does not seek its own way. So I changed things in the house. I told her, you make the rules. I will not seek my own way. You make the rules. Yeah? You make the rules in this house. Say, I'm going to wash the dishes in the morning. You're going to wash them in the evening. I'm going to take out the trash in the evening tomorrow. And then you take the next day. And that is what happened. And I'm telling you, the other day... I met her uh, in the living room as she was doing her chores. I asked her, Olive, have you noticed that nowadays we don't argue? And she stopped what she was doing and she looked at me and she said, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> and I, I told her, I do, I know. No, I, I asked her, do you know why? She said, no. I don't know why. And she asked me, do you know why? I said, yeah, I do. She said, what? I said, God's love. And she looked at me and said, really? And she laughed and said, you're conk. <laughs> Pastor Kala, that's me. that means that's conk, that's deep, you know? And really, it works, people. This works. It works. Let's look at verse 7. In the TPT. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing for the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Unity 
you know, you fight. You fight for the other person. You fight for the other person in prayer. Another translation says it always hopes. It keeps trusting in God. You fight for the other person regardless of whether they are reaching out or not. You fight for them. I once had Dr. Caroline Leaf talking about love. And she said, we are all wired to love and to respond to love. Love breaks down, Pastor Kala has prayed it. Love breaks down walls. No one is immune to love. You love them. They will come around, all right? So if you're this, it never takes failure as defeat. You might have gone for uh, counseling sessions. Probably they have not worked. You've tried by all means what you know to do may have not work, worked, but it never gives up. You keep fighting. So if you are praying for unity in your household or wherever you are, in your community, in your, in your, in, with your spouse, if you're praying for unity in your workplace, this is what you should be praying, that the love of God become a reality to them, that the love of God be so formed in their hearts that they'll end to yours as well. All right? All right? Thank you. That's all I have. So, <laughs> I have the pleasure of inviting the next uh, minister. Would you put your hands together for Charles Adedo? <laughs> Um, good afternoon, church. I'm always very brave right there until I'm here. In fact, the choir tells me that at times I can't be hard when I get the mic to speak something. Amen. It's so great to hear from Terry and the others. But before I continue, I want to share something. In trying to be in unity with my wife, we had some ground rules. And I remember Dan and Maddie who are our friends, giving me a pamphlet to go and do conflict resolution. And so <laughs> I had the pamphlet right behind me, and we were out somewhere in a cheap place, and we were trying to, uh, to see how you're going to go about it. And I asked her, I didn't ask for permission to say this. I told her, um, no, she just told me in the middle of talking uh, that if you ever try to beat me, I will beat you up. <laughs> I later came to realize that she has done karate and she's aerobics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In another instance, in another instance, in another instance, in trying to walk in unity, you know, um, <laughs> in trying to walk in unity, we decided that now the baby is here and I can't stay awake the whole night, and she's telling me calmly, and I'm like, yeah, 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 uh, I will do that. And then on the first day, the baby woke up in the night. I went and took the baby, and the baby was quiet, but he was looking at me very strangely. The second day, I did the same, and the baby was looking at me very strangely, and then he would go back to sleep. And the third day when I held the baby, he gave a loud cry, I tried to look at what the problem was. I realized I didn't have food. He was crying for food. I didn't have food. 
Yeah, so um, I'm really thankful. Thank you, Pastor Carla. There are uh, are statements right here. There are statements made by Pastor Carla in one of the HLA staff's meeting. And these are very great statements. Now, my boss is the best. Um, Pastor Carla and Pastor Davis are the best bosses in the world. No wonder you guys come every Sunday to listen to them, right? (laughs) Right. Now, statements made by Pastor Carla. One overriding essential is the concept of honor. I'm not going to explain these statements, but I just want them to sink. Then she also said, honor is the basis from which the Lord blesses. The major reason you see the establishment of HLA, this blew me, besides education, is honor. She also said, even to the PE lesson, that's physical education, even to the PE lesson, we will honor God. The next one, the flesh says, I will figure it out on my own, what Terry was sharing. This equates to independence and dishonor. Honor is both vertical and horizontal. Amen. Let's go to the next, uh, the next set of... Um, yes, this is the statement made by my second great boss. Wonderful. Pastor Davis, if we find your heart, we have found your treasure. What you will treasure most. What you will honor most. Then let's go to the next um, statements made by Dr. Stanley Mukolwe during the parents' meeting. The winning of a relay is dependent on the passage of the baton. The next one. When God talks of nations, he is talking about people groups. Then he said, the forgotten path is reaching out, the forgotten path reaching out to the world through families. Growing children, measure your love for them by observing their parents' hierarchy of values when they see you taking the newspaper when you should spend time with them, then they don't see a love in that they're able to measure. Then he said, the love in our families form the template from which children will act. Is that the last one? Did you get one? At least one? <laughs> All right. I won't explain, but I'll go uh, straight to what he has shared. Unity and love. And I want you to look at the word volunteer in the sense of the body. Um, Just imagine your hand having volunteered to become part of the body. Imagine the leg has volunteered to be part of the body. Imagine that the eyes have volunteered to become part of the body. Let Let me explain this. All the parts of the body gathered together and and they were revolting. And they were revolting against the stomach. Because the, the legs said that we walk and get the food, uh, but the stomach doesn't do anything. The hands said that we keep doing the, the dirty work, and then the, the stomach gets to benefit. And the head says, I think everything around here, and, and the stomach doesn't do anything. And so they revolted, and they decided they were not going to do anything. So... The first day, the second day, the third day, they realized that the stomach used to do so much and they went back to work. That's unity. No part of the body of Christ is volunteering to be in the body. Every part of the body 
is as integral as the other. Amen. Amen. I want us to go to Luke 15 so that I illustrate honor. Luke 15. Luke 15. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. Look at that, look at that uh, photo. Look at that photo that's there. This is the, the son saying, I want right now. That's the message Bible. The message Bible gives it a tone. Other translations say, or oh, give me whatever was allotted to me. Give me what belongs to me. But the message gave it a tone. There he was and he said, give it to me right now. And he was given whatever uh, he requested. And go to the next, go to the verse. When you go to the verse in Luke 15, um, 11, Luke 15, there was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. The next verse. The next verse. Good. Do you know he was given whatever he needed? It didn't take him more than two verses to have finished whatever he was given. All he was given was a verse, lasted a verse long. And everything was done. And he, and he went out. And in fact, the Bible says, uh, as, you, as you continue reading, uh, that he had to force himself to a citizen so that he would be a worker. But if you notice something right there, when he went away, dishonoring and diminishing the authority the father had for him, do you know what he was happening? He was disconnecting himself from the source, from the provision, from the protection of God. Amen. Is that true? Is that true? Yes, that's what happened. And let me go to, um, to another scripture here um, in Matthew 25. Go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. It will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And the Bible says that he gave them the property based on his honor for their ability. He honored their abilities by giving them the kind of money he did. And the Bible says also that he gave them a hundred days wages. So when he paid them, he left. And so the first one, when he is rewarding them, hope we can find that. As you move down, when he was rewarding them, he said to the first one, well done. The second one, well done. But the third one, he judged the third one. He judged the third one. But what I saw from those scriptures when I was reading them, that, that is, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. So what the master did was to give them based on his appreciation and honor for their abilities. But as you move, uh, as you move down, what, what happens is that the, the young guy says, uh, when, when he's judged, he says that I knew you were a hard man. I knew you wanted to reap where you did not sow. He says, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. And gathering where you scattered no seed. Let's keep on. So I was afraid. 
and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And what he said, the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. And I paused and asked this man, why do you call this servant wicked, yet he's just giving you what you gave him back? What is the dishonor about? And then you can hear the dishonor in the words he had said. I knew you to be a hard man. And so his fruitfulness was based on his honor to the master. So whatever the master gave was based on the master's honor towards their abilities. But what um, the fruitfulness of the servants was based on their honor to the people, uh, to, the, to the boss. Now let's look at first, uh, Second Samuel 2.30. And this is where Eli's sons have become dishonorable. And in Second uh, Samuel 2.30, it says, I will honor those who honor me. I will honor those who honor me. I will honor those who honor me. Amen. I will honor those who honor me. The master that the servant that did not honor the master was not honored. Amen. So let me end by, by this. Um, my, my mother is not alive right now. But my mother did not let anyone lose. If you dishonored, you face the consequences of your actions right there and then. She had metallic hands. She had metallic hands. She was such a, a, puny, a puny wisp. She was very small. But you knew she was big when their hand swung against your face. And that explains why I have a broken tooth. I have a broken tooth for dishonor. She swung the metallic hands and she never let go of that. And I remember what my mama used to do um, after, after the separation with, with, with my dad. Um, my mommy knew that there was something that we had gotten already in us that needed to be removed. And my daddy would do rolls of cigar, you know, and, and bang. And he would send me and I'd go get the, the dragon. Uh, I'd feel good. He'd reward me for such errands, you know. And when my mama realized that, that this is not the trend the family was supposed to take, we were seven of us. And, and sometimes we don't know our birthdays because uh, you'd come and ask, Mom, when is our birthday? You'd say, um, January 2nd. So you, you take that as, as your birthday. So sometimes you'd ask the age, um, the age and you'd say, I think, you're, I think you're 14, 14. So we were that many. But what my mama, <laughs> what my mama did, what my mama did was, he realized that there was a seed that needed um, to be broken. And so he would take me uh, to church, um, not on a Sunday, on a weekday when we have closed school, when we are expecting to have fun. And so we'd go to one of the pastors that, that day when, that was walking in the healing power of God. He was called Pastor Nduati. Pastor Nduati. So he'd take us to Pastor Nduati. And what would happen, the doors would be open at 7 and then people would be given time to get in because the man of God was coming. And so after seven, 
770510, the doors would be locked. And the doors would be open for 15 minutes break at one. And then they would be shut. My mama would pray, would pray, 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 pray. When the doors were open for break, we never had a break. We would stay inside and pray and pray. And the doors would be open late in the evening, 6.37 and we realize, I realize, right now I'm able to realize that she was trying to shape something within me. Honor for the things of God. That's what she was trying to do. And I, I think I got that. Amen. I think I got that. And I'm really thankful to my mama so much for that. Amen. I just thank him for instilling honor in me. Right now I have the opportunity to inflect that to my children. Amen. Amen. Let me just take you through something you've heard very many theories about. This is the Titanic. This is the Titanic, the Titanic uh, ship. And this was the best ship. This was the best ship. This was the best ship. It had the best uh, crew guys. It had the best standby engineers. In fact, in the ship, we had the best orchestral uh, group that has ever existed. In the ship, we only had the royalty and the nobility, and the rest were, were in the steamers down there trying to do something with the engine down there somewhere. And the royalty and the nobility was there. The best of all citizens were there. And do you know it has been said that this ship hit the iceberg and it sank. And as it sank, it broke into two before it sank deeper into the sea. And many people have said this ship um, sank because it hit the iceberg. In fact, the iceberg is not as big as what you can see right there. Uh, the iceberg, it was only a tip, and it hit the tip, and whatever was underneath was very big. This was not that size. And they say it sank because it hit the tip of the iceberg. And very many people overlook the fact that the captain in charge made very dishonorable utterances. And before this ship left, this is what he said. This is the ship even God can't sink. That is why the Titanic ship sank. Because of dishonor towards God. Amen. So this is a generation that will honor God. Amen? Amen. This is a generation that will honor God. Thank you, pastors. Thank you, everyone. Did you get something? Thank you so much.